Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Debbie. Hi, I am Debbie, a compulsive overeater and anorexic. Hi, Debbie. And I always say recovering compulsive overeater anorexic. Forgot that part. Let's see. The numbers. I first came in program in 1993. I remember I was 24 and I couldn't stop eating sugar. I was passing out from eating sugar. And I found, I mean, I looked up in the phone book then. You know, I found a hotline, and I got to the next meeting, and I knew exactly when I got there. I just cried, and I got a sponsor of that meeting, and I felt like I was at home. I found a safe place. I mean, my journey's definitely gone a long way from there, and I think, like, where from where I came from, I mean, I was adopted, you know, at a month old into a family of dysfunction where... I mean, I think most people's families are at some point dysfunctional. But my parents that adopted me, they thought that adopting me was going to save their marriage. You know, well, it didn't. You know, there was an affair, divorce by the time I was eight. But one thing, the thing where my um, eating disorder, I think, stemmed from where all I saw was my adopted mother was always on a diet. And I never was taught anything about nutrition. You know, I was, became a parent at eight when my sister was born. And at three, I will never forget this, that at three years old, you know, I was wearing a bikini and my mom said, you, know, you always have to suck in your stomach when you wear a bathing suit. And, you know, it's, it's like that's, she did the best she knew how to do. But that is still with me today. I still suck in my stomach. I'm 41. So learning how to breathe is a huge thing for me. Um, I remember getting a big tattoo on my stomach because I wanted to love, think my stomach was pretty. You know, and it's it's just it's part of my story. And it, but it's luckily today, and you know, working this program, I have a lot more acceptance with my stomach. But still, I mean, I still don't have complete acceptance of my body. And I'm someone who's, you know, I'm five four. I've gone from a zero to a size twelve in my closet. And Today, I keep, you know, close to one size, like a six to an eight in my closet. I don't have, I remember there was at one point I had like this box of size twos. And my friend, I was showing this to my friend, this was on some program, she's like, those are Barbie doll clothes, get rid of them, you know. And, you know, and I thought, I need those, you know, because I might go there. And I remember when I got rid of the bigger clothes, I had gained a little bit of weight. And I was like, I wish I still had those, but... I've learned also in this program is just to kind of let go of things. Like before I came here, I, I'm kind of, you know, I get a little obsessive, compulsive, but I get into a place where I just, I need to clear the clutter. You know, I was like doing a little fashion elimination, you know. And But for me, like doing an inventory is clearing the clutter. And, you know, it's like getting rid of, I mean, I've done multiple four steps. And I remember my first four step which was the first a sponsor I got in my first meeting, and it was just 
I was just like vomiting on the page and I was it was like on a trip from New York and I was just writing the whole way and the guy goes wow that must have been pretty interesting I mean I wrote my whole four step and I remember just reading it and it was to my first sponsor it was like so much acceptance like that it, it all was okay you know and I mean I've gone through I guess I'm on my sixth sponsor and it's um and it's just interesting, all the women that were my sponsors, you know, have served, you know, the purpose, they worked with me in that time of my life. I mean, I think my first few sponsors, I put so much on them that they were my higher power, they were everything, my mother, my father, and I've learned now, my sponsor's my sponsor, and it's someone I check in with every morning, and someone I work the steps with. And she's an amazing woman, and she has what I want in programs just to keep, you know, coming. And, you know, I left, I think in 2000, I left program because of my first marriage, I turned my husband into my higher power. And he clearly could not do that for me, and he's no longer my husband. And, um, I, you know, and I've learned in the marriage, the man I'm with now, the last 10 years, and we've been married six years, he's not my higher power. You know, he's my partner in life. I mean, we have a great partnership. Um, and But he's also someone who has been in these rooms, and it wasn't for him. And that's like a huge thing for me to accept, too, is this program isn't for everybody. I try to convert all my friends when I first got in. My mother, my sister, everyone in need. They're all compulsive readers, and they all need to come to program. And, you know, I've learned from other programs, I don't have to fix everybody, and it, and it's so freeing now just to go that this is is my program, and I share about it when it seems appropriate, and it's my foundation of all the work that I've done. I mean, part of my story is I'm bipolar and have dealt with severe depression and mania since I was eight years old. It's something I've tried through program to come off medication, and I've, I've been um, hospitalized multiple times, and I just accept where I'm at in my life today with it, um, you know, and that's, that is part of me, too, because when I'm depressed, you know, I have to be, I have to do a lot of work to keep myself healthy, and coming to meetings, I, when I've been severely depressed, meetings, you know, I couldn't function, I couldn't do, couldn't get out of bed. You know, and I've been for seven, I mean, I took an overdose seven years ago while I was in program. And um, that's when I, you know, I knew I had to start my abstinence over because trying to take my life really isn't abstinent. Um, you know, like, you know um, and, and when I started my abstinence over then, it was like no binging, no starving, and I'm not leaving you know, program or the planet Earth, you know, whatever, I'm not leaving, you know, and um, and life has actually been, you know, I've had a lot of challenges, um, I mean, through program, you know, I've dealt with just my own, you know, being hospitalized, going through a divorce, going through, you know, parents dying, going, I mean, being adopted, I have, you know, four mothers, you know, <laughs> my adopted father, my father, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of family relationships and learning to how to deal with those relationships 
And being in program has helped me learn how to be a daughter, to be, you know, a wife, to be a friend, and how to deal with relationships. And I think the, the biggest relationship, because it's with me all the time, is with my husband. And and to use the edit button, you know, it's like do not, I do not have to say everything that's on my mind, um, because then I'm either going to have to make an amends for it, you know, and I don't want to have to say, yeah, and that's one thing, too, that when I, I am not always right, and, you know, even though, I mean, because I am very controlling. I think that's being an anorexic, it's like, when I was young, that's how I could control things, and because my, everything in my life seems so out of control, and, you know, and I think I've, I've learned in, you know, all the years of therapy, you know, I've actually just taken a break the last month from therapy, and it's so nice not to have to go to therapy every week, you know, and, but I've kind of reconnected myself getting to more meetings and reworking, I've, I've never done this kind of type of inventory and program, but my sponsor was doing a sex inventory, and she, she suggested that I do it, and then, and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have any regrets, blah, blah, blah. When you start making that list of all those relationships you're involved in, you know, and it's just like, oh, yuck, I don't want to do this. You know, and I have this binder of this, what I need to work on, and I can really procrastinate. And But I just talk about it with my sponsor, you know, and, and it was so interesting. As I Right now I'm in a place, like when I saw Mike, he was, you look like you're in a really good place. I'm... And I'm I'm actually probably in a really good place because I got a huge shot of gratitude when I, I originally was raised in Fresno. And I went back there. And I hadn't gone back there in 10 years by myself. I had brought my husband with me. But I went there last week and I felt like I needed to see my adopted mom and my sister. And I was going to, you know, see these friends I've reconnected with on Facebook that I haven't seen in 20 years. Um, and... It actually put me in such a place of gratitude because I left there when I was 18 because I didn't want to go where I was seeing where I saw myself could go quickly or all my friends were going. There was so much drug use, pregnancies, and I just wanted to get out of there. And I got, I came and went to school. And, um, you know, but it was just really sad for me to see just all these relationships. And it was interesting to see two of my best friends that I grew up with and I, when the first time I saw them, I was like, oh, my God, they have gained so much weight. And and it felt bad that that's what I saw, even though they were this, you know, but they're also, it's like seeing, just seeing where their life is, you know, going, both going through divorces, second divorces, multiple children. And it just put me in a place of gratitude of where my life is right now. I mean, I don't have any children. My husband and I aren't going to have any children. We have an English bulldog, and she rocks. That's like, all, you know, we're really happy with our English bulldog. Um, I mean, you need a college fund to have an English bulldog. So. But, um, you know, I, and that's like a huge thing just to, to have acceptance that I'm not going to have children. I mean, I went into early menopause at 38, you know, and it was before then I decided I wasn't going to have children because I didn't, I, you know, I made a decision because of my mental illness. I didn't want to pass that on to a kid and that was just a choice that I had to make I didn't want a kid to see me go through all the stuff that I've been through or, or have them go through it um, and I did a lot of research on it but just to seeing my friends and seeing 
and hearing about all these people I went to high school with, I was like, wow, I was really grateful, like, where my life has come. And it was so funny that all these people saw me, and they're like, you look just like you did in high school. And I'm like, when I was 16, and I'm like, and I, I'm like, oh, great, you know, because my body looks the same. And it's like, I am a totally different person from when I was 16. I mean, I was so insecure. I was anorexic. I wanted to be accepted by everybody, you know. And I think it's something that I still deal with, which at least now I understand where it's coming from. I mean, back then, I had no tools. I just was clueless. I'm like, what? why do I feel so horrible all the time? And... I mean, I know, like, my, some of my core issues are abandonment and betrayal. And that comes from, you know, my mom giving me up. You know, I've done enough therapy to see where these issues come from. I mean, I met my birth mother when I was 20. I've been, we've had a relationship for 21 years. But still, she's not, she can never be the mother I wanted her to be. Nor can my adopted mother be. And, and all the stuff I've, I've learned from working the steps. I've learned from writing it down. I've learned from sharing about it. And I think the program has, when I come into these rooms, it's like my safe place. I feel so, you know, I could feel a little bit nervous talking in front of all of you. Some of you I know, some of I don't. But we have, we share this common bond that people out there just don't get. And luckily, I mean, society is looking at compulsive overeating more as an illness. But you can't really share. It, it, it's I don't feel as comfortable sharing. I can say I'm a 12-step mean, and automatically people think I'm an AA. But I, you know, I think it's something I still deal with is like not feeling a part of. I mean, I can, you know, I mean, and a lot of it's just me taking things too personally. You know, I and it's a constant thing that I work on. But luckily, the place I've been in, like of this feeling of gratitude and I hope it stays with me through 2011 you know just of being really grateful for what, everything I have and not just you know monetary or you know stuff but I mean I've done so much work on myself and I look in the last seven years where I was seven years ago you know and I've been in program for a long time but I just kind of look at that because that's the place where I was so bad that I thought taking a bottle of Vicodin was the only choice I had and you know, it's, I don't want to do that today, you know. Um, I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm happy, joyous, and free all the time. You know, it's like, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was miserable, but I can get out of it. You know, it's like I can call my sponsor. And I think a huge thing for me in programs is having a sponsor. It's like to be there for someone else, to get out of my head. And, you know, and I recently, you know, one of my best friends who, you know, she she come to meetings with me years ago. She actually asked, you know, and I had, you know, she was one of those people I wanted to save, you know, and I finally had let go of that. But we've known each other for like 20 years, and she went through extreme, so I guess kind of tragedy. It is a tragedy. You know, her mother had a brain aneurysm and multiple strokes, and she's now the main caregiver for her. And you know, she's my age. And she actually asked me about 12-step, you know, about Al-Anon. And she's going to her first Al-Anon meeting tomorrow, and she's working the 12 steps around what she's having to deal with. And it was, it felt so good that I could give her my experience, strength, and hope and not be shoving on her. She was asking me for that. And I think, you know, being of service where I can, when people ask me to share, I feel so honored that 
wow, someone, they want to hear my recovery. And, and, and I mean, this disease is very cunning and baffling. I mean, you, one minute you can think, oh, I don't have any problem eating sugar. I don't, I'm cool. And then you put something in your house, and you're, like, eating the whole thing of ice cream. And, I mean, my absence, I've had absences of no sugar, because that was my kind of drug of choice. You know, after, it was funny. It's like, I think when I found program, it was like, okay, drinking, doing drugs, shopping, it's not fixing it anymore, and I'm just dying here with the sugar. I can't just be in boxes of things, you know, living by myself and passing out from sugar comas. And that's when I, you know, kind of was like on my knees and found program. And I've definitely gone through different phases in program with abstinence. And and I think, you know, for a long time it was, it, it also came about, okay, well, I don't eat sugar. I mean, that's what everyone knew, that I didn't eat sugar. And it just was another thing I was controlling. And, and it definitely helped me. It served its purpose for that time. And then I, this abstinence, because when I tried to get abstinent again, um, you know, when I was not in the psych ward anymore and I was at home and I was trying to live a normal life and I was trying to not have sugar and it was just like, my sponsor was like, just keep it simple, you know. Don't try to take this away and take this away and and just no starving, no binging and not leaving. I can abstain to that. And I, I mean, I, I really try to keep, I'll still do, you know, daily, like if, you know, I'm feeling like, those candies at work are calling me, you know, I make a commitment to my sponsor in the morning, you know, I don't, today I'm not going to have it. And and that usually works. Or if at midday it's like, oh, it's calling me, I can text her, you know. And it's like, I I think the biggest thing for me in the program is like being accountable, not just with my food, but with, you know, my emotions, with, you know, not being secretive. And that was the big thing. If when food, when I feel like I'm sneaking something, I'm feeling guilty about it, I need to talk to, you know, my sponsor about it or someone in program about it. And I've always been some, you know, I hated the word diet when I got into program. I'm like, because I was around so many diets. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with diets. But now it's like I have this acceptance in the last years to be able to let, okay, that's what some people they call, a lot of people are on diets, you know, and it's an eating plan. You know, it's like not try to get defensive and, you know, try to prove my point of no diets and just to let people, if they want to do that, you know, fine. And and I've never, since I've been in program, I haven't liked to weigh myself. I would just get weighed at the doctor. I always knew from my clothes, you know, I'd always have pants that were buttoned, buttoned, you know, buttoned and zipped so I was aware of where my body was. Um... You know, and I had a doctor recently, the same nurse practitioner was telling me that I, she never met me, but she was telling me that I, over the phone that I was, like, really fat. <laughs> and I was, like, by, just by numbers, by my height and my weight. And I go, are you kidding me? I go, I wear a size six. You know, and, you know, I, and I just was like, you know what, it disturbed me for a bit. And I'm like, you know what, I, this woman doesn't have a clue. You know, and... Recently, you know, I've, I've, I, it's so funny, I, I'm surprised that I can do this and not feel, I'm not feel like I'm getting obsessed about it, but I'm, I found this iPhone app, Lose It, you know, and I, and I just, you know, was keeping, just keeping track of, because I, recently I wanted to, you know, I just felt like I needed to get, 
little toner. I mean, some people in here, you know, I mean, the, the last year I went on this crazy, and it was kind of like a binge for me. I've gotten to roller derby, and it, I found this new identity, and I got really crazy with it, and then I got injured. And and it it was it was a real thing for me because I got really manic from it, and then I dropped. I mean, I almost like was going to leave my husband over this. I mean, it, it's like, or it's just to, if you ever want to do roller derby, it is not a hobby. It's like a whole lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, it is crazy. It, these girls are crazy, but I had so much fun. I mean, I it was like that feeling accept. You know, that whole thing I've always struggled with wanting to be accepted. You know, and and then I realized. When I was have because I and I was ready to let go of program. I mean, okay, really, if you really get good at roller derby, you maybe have four years if you're lucky because it is the most you get hurt so bad doing the sport. But I just was on this high with it, and luckily I maybe it you know it was God it's God's intervention when I made the team the first week I got injured, my knee got really messed up, and I, maybe that was God saying, you know what? You do not need to be okay. First of all, I'm 41. Most of the girls in there are in their 20s, but everyone thought that I was in my 20s, you know. But um, you know, and my best friend, who's now taking care of her mom from brain aneurysm, she's the one that got me into it. And then she couldn't be there. And but it was this. But the fact that I was ready, ready to give up, it was just like another kind of. It, it was very addictive, you know. It was another addiction for me. That I was ready to. No, oh, I don't need to go to meetings. I need to go to practice. You know, um, who cares, you know, I'm going to, I don't want to be with my husband anymore. I'm going to become a lesbian because that's what roller derby girls do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I was off my rocker, you know. And I, and still, I mean, some of the girls can handle it. And it's like a lifestyle that they have fun doing, you know. And it's, I mean, I don't, I thought it was great. If, if it was like the right time in my life, like if I was in my 20s, and I had no clue what I was doing. It really does give you this sense of family and friends and this camaraderie. But I also found, like, when I came to a meeting, that's that's more realistic for me is to come to meetings. And, you know, you know, something I tried. And I and also I think I'm in a good place now because for about six months I was mooring roller derby. You know, and now I'm a fan. Like, I'm going to go see my friends, like, this bout tomorrow. I was supposed to play in that, but I'm not. And I, you know, part of me was so frustrated. Like, I just wanted to do one competition, you know, and I never got to do it, you know. But it was like, it, you know, it was just a, cra- it was a crazy experience this year. And and it also it tested, like, these girls, most of them drink a lot, too. And I can't do that. I mean, I'm someone I never... You know, I feel like I, when I was able to let go of alcohol, you know, food was my bottom drug. But two drinks, you know, a glass of wine and beer, that is the most that I can have because of medication I take. I mean, all my teens, my 20s, I was sick all the time from drinking. I just could not, my body could not handle it. And I see, like, these girls, what they do, and I also I felt sad for them that they have to drink in oblivion, that they don't know where they were last night, you know. And they're skating hungover the next day, and it's so cool to them. And I'm just thinking, this is, what am I doing? This is really sad, you know. And and I, even, like, a month ago, when my knee was starting to feel better, I got back on my skates, and I was kind of, like, 
you kind of get sucked into it again. And I just had to be really careful that, I mean, it is, it definitely was an addiction for me. And, you know, I had to treat it the same way that I've treated other addictions, which it, it was just so funny. I never in a million years thought that is something that I would have experienced. But it was, it was an escape. It was like, you know, I had my derby name. I got to be a different person. It was a whole new identity. I didn't have to be Debbie anymore. I got to be Booty Bumper. You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, and and I, you know, it was just like I had fun. And it was like the, the physical, you know, exercise. So now I've been trying to find new fun things because I think that's what I've I've learned with my my sponsors would always be like, okay, where's your fun? Because you know everything is so serious. You know, the step work and this and this and and. So roller derby was my fun, but then it became drama and stress and, you know, a hundred women together. It's, it's insanity. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful I got to experience it, but now I can, I have to be, I have to, it's something I have to be really careful with. It's like dabbling with a pint of ice cream in my house. I have, you know, I don't put a pint of ice cream in my house. And roller derby is is like that with me. I mean, I mean that's what my therapist was like. You are manic. You have to stop this. This is suicide for you. And I was like, no. You know, I was just, I was off my rocker. And so I was in therapy with my husband, thinking I'm going to leave my husband. And it just like something hit me. Like, what are you doing? You know, I think Cod was like, hello, uh, knock knock. <laughs> um, and so and and every time it comes up, it's like you know my husband wants me to have fun. He surfs and motorcycle races, he does his stuff, but it doesn't, like, take over his entire life, you know, and that, you know, so now it's like I'm finding, you know, new things. I found spinning class, you know, um, kangoo jump boot camp, you know, just something that's fun that I can do and I can walk away from it and without, you know, breaking a bone, you know, or losing my whole sanity over it. I mean... The fact that I thought leaving meetings was an option because I need to go to, you know, I mean, I was changing my whole life around this one thing, and that's that's an addictive behavior. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that I'm, I have a friend who I got her into it, and I see the way she's acting about it, and I can be the person that she can talk to, I'm like, it's okay, it's okay if you can't do this, you know, um, you know, it's and it's like just having like a, a kind of acceptance, just with my life, just like with my work, with my relationships. Um, and that I think that's the biggest thing that with program that I always take with me. You know, is acceptance and just like letting things go, because I see, like sometimes my my husband and I, I mean we're. We're very different as far as he can just kind of woohoo, you know. He can, you know, go get a job and not have a resume or portfolio or anything, and just like he's, it's just kind of who he is. And I'm like, okay, got my resume, da, 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 and I'm the one that's all neat and tidy, and he's just, you know, he's a slob. But you know that, you know, his, you know, thing. And a lot of times, I wish I could be like that. That I could be the one that's like carefree and. I'm the one that's, you know, worried about paying the bills and da 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 And I think that the whole, the roller derby thing brought that kind of wild side. 
the side that I I let go of when I got in the program and was trying to process why I needed to be like that. Um, and and that side still comes up, but it's trying to channel that side into a healthy way. Because I think once you put the food down and the obsessive behaviors, and then you just have to be with yourself. And you're like, oh, man, this is difficult. You know, and you just have to feel the feelings. Um, and... I mean, I was I was very proud of myself the way I dealt with my trip when I went to Fresno this past weekend because I I didn't have to say I, I really had I mean I was texting my husband going oh, 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 this is driving me crazy but I didn't I didn't want to hurt my my sister or you know, adopted mom's feelings I didn't want to hurt my friends' feelings I didn't want to judge them because that's a big thing for me too a big character defect is to be judgmental and I. You know, it's with that comes up a lot with my husband, and I'm so much better at at it now than I used to be. But it's something it's just constantly working on, and I'm so much better. And he says, it's funny. He says um, now, you know, I'm always teaching him how to be married. You know, but it's like, wow, what a gift that I actually can be a good spouse, um, because I sure had no role models for that. And neither did he. And it's like trying to be in a good relationship with each other, you know, and be kind to one another. In the beginning, you know, screaming, cursing, calling each other's names, that's what I thought you did. Um, so it's, you know, I, I have so much gratitude for the 12 steps, for the fellowship in this program. It, I mean, it's really just, it's really my foundation of what of what I've built everything on like the last 17 years and um, you know I'm thankful that the hiatus I took for five years you know that I came back and I saw people that I knew from before and not and it and it was okay I was I was welcomed you know um, and it's just so interesting how I mean I've just seen the person I, the waves of, of where program has been at my life where sometimes you know, I was going to meetings every day, and and then sometimes, like right now, it's like maybe a meeting. I try to get to at least a meeting a week, um, and my sponsors kind of like get, you know, find some space for another meeting. Um, but you know, I feel like program is still. It's like either I'm talking, checking with my sponsor, hearing my like on my lunch break, hearing my sponsees, my sponsee, her voicemails, and those help me so much. You know, it's like just. Um, you know, hearing someone else, it's just you know, growing from that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, today I'm in a good place. So I'm glad today that I was able to, you know, be here. And and I don't. It's nice to not feel resentful or angry, because so much of the time, you know, I can just feel like I'm always like certain, you know, wanting to feel like a part of friendships and not feeling like I'm a part of those friendships anymore because I don't party like that anymore. And, you know, today it's like it's okay. It's okay that I'm not like that anymore. It's okay that I'm not going to be a roller derby girl. You know, I can still, I can enjoy the sport. I can go watch it. So I think that's about it. I'd love to, if anyone has any questions. In terms of... 
contact with your higher power, spiritual contact. Do you have a process? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention something that I mean, I'm not a big. I would like to meditate more, but right now I'm not. I have had times where I have. But something I learned in this meeting, like probably 10, 15 years ago, a woman was sharing that her, the way she started her day, she had her books, her for today, next in a basket next to her toilet. And every morning she opened that book, you know, when she got out in the morning. And that's something I've done probably for 15 years, that my for today book, if, if nothing else comes with me when I'm traveling, my, and my for today book is like the hardback version, and it's like, you know, taped together. Mm-hmm. But just, I think that's where I can kind of get a connection in the morning. And, and a lot of times in the morning, if I can't, if I have a hard time getting up, it's like just saying the serenity prayer and the third step prayer over and over. Just, you know, I don't even have to say it that many times. It's just getting a connection through those two. Those two prayers are like a real foundation for me that I use a lot. Um, and I, I think, I mean, being in meetings, you know, I, when I came over here, I'm like, okay, God, I'm just letting this go. This is up to you, what you want me to say. Um, so I definitely feel like I have, there's a connection there, but I'm, I can just talk, you know, and I feel like if I, like, let myself be open to it, because a lot of times, like, and then taking a deep breath in, going, oh, I don't have to control and do this all by myself. There is something bigger out there that's taking care of me. Hi, thank you so much. Um, I heard the, the word acceptance when you were speaking, so I'm just curious, what do you do to stay in acceptance? I think a lot of times if I'm not accepting something, I usually have to do like a mini inventory. You know, if there's a, a, a relationship... Um, and also I've learned from sponsors to, like, if I'm not accepting something, is to praying for that situation or praying for that person. Like, that, if there's a person, because a lot of times I'll see that it's a relationship that I'm having a problem accepting the situation, and it's wishing them the best, everything that I would want for myself, give to them. And sometimes that is really hard when you hate that person and you do not want to wish them anything good. But when you start letting that in, letting the love in and showing compassion, I found that I start becoming more accepting of the situation, of that person, of myself. Um, so that's you know, basically how I process with it. What would be your earliest memory of your higher power and how that changed? Well, I was raised in a religious environment. So I felt like since I was young, I and mean, I went to private school, um, I had a, you know, I was always around the Bible. I had to memorize stuff. So I felt like there was a God always around. But then I think as a teenager, it started to become more of a fear of God that you have to do this, you have to do this. And I, I think for a good, you know, teenage until I got into program, and when I was 24, that's when I found a higher power in here. That like, oh, I. I like this higher power, this higher power. I so really the twelve steps is where I found my higher power. But what was that? What did you find? I mean, visit. I mean, to me, I think it, for me, it has kind of been a male figure with my higher power. And I think I found found caring and loving in the sponsors I got that were motherly. But it was just kind of like a. It gave me a parental 
figure that helped me feel safe, something that I never felt growing up. I basically, it's, I mean, since I've found this lose it, you know, iPhone app, I've been entering my food, which I haven't, I mean, I've had many times where I would, you know, give, give over my food to a sponsor, just what I've eaten. But basically, I kind of follow breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, at the breakfast, lunch, and dinner times, so I actually have meals, and and maybe two to three snacks, you know, you know, reasonable snacks. Because I get low blood sugar, so I have to kind of watch. And I tend to sometimes not eat enough. So I just, if I have smaller meals, like, you know, I make sure there's, when I start getting, like, really irritable, I'm like, okay, when's the last time I ate something? Um, but this, like, lately, I mean, I'm surprised I've been okay with, like, seeing my calories. It's been kind of fun in this whole application, but it's helping me. I'm in the place I'm willing right now to be kind of accountable for everything I'm eating. But, yeah, the rule of thumb, I think, for me has always been breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, and, and try to have some balance, you know, a, a protein, you know, a carb. Try, try to have some vegetables. When I start seeing my plate is like there's no color on it, I'm like, okay, where are my nutrients going here? Um, so that's kind of, I try to keep it simple. I mean, that's, I think that's part of my food plan too is trying to keep things simple, you know. And, and when it starts, things start to get overwhelming, you know. It's kind of back to basics and not making, you know, sugar being that's not a meal, you know, because I I easily could have lived on ice cream for which I did going through my first divorce, you know, and I that's not an option anymore. Do you know how many and all the parties and sweets? Well, I, if it if it seems like it's an issue, I definitely will check in with my sponsor, kind of like bookending before I go to an event or afterwards. I know I'm going to my husband's family in London for the last two weeks and I've gone there before and it used to I can go there now and it be a little more comfortable but he's from a big Greek family so food is non-stop you know and I just I remember the first time I went I didn't eat sugar so I kind of now I, I I can find some balance with it if I'm like trying to stay connected with someone program you know which is great being able to text or email you know, or just if I'm staying accountable, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, and um, and also like if before I'm going to go to an event, make sure I've kind of had a meal, so I'm not so hungry that I'm my options are just eating sugar. Like trying to get enough protein, you know, before I would go to an event. Yeah, I have any advice or what was your way of 
cutting down the sugar, because I have the blood sugar thing going through. How do you do that? And is there a way that, like sugar addicts or whoever that calls themselves sugar addicts, that truly can have a balanced sugar in their life? Do you see that? Well, for... Well, I mean, I, when I first was in program, and I, I just gave it up completely. Like one, but it was one day at a time. It's like I would, you know, be committing, I'm not going to have sugar. And I was looking at my ingredients and, and would try to ha- have balanced meals by not having processed sugar. You can have a piece of fruit, you know, but not having processed sugar. And, you know, I've now, you know, after I've been in program for a long time, and I've found... I can go, I can have a serving of something outside of my house, but I don't put sugar in my house. You know, I don't put ice cream in my house. I, you know, I don't put cookies. I mean, I, I don't even like having chips, things that are in bags, things that are going to set me up that I'm going to want to keep eating. Because, yeah, the salt and the sweet, I, I just don't want to have those kind of foods around me so accessible. And, you know, it, and if you go someplace, like think of it as a serving. And if you feel like you can't just have one piece, then don't have it. And, you know, try to find something that you feel comfortable having. But it's like if, if you're starting to replace bread, you know, and it's tough to talk about with your sponsor too, because I know I did like the red light, green light foods, you know, or the black and white and gray areas, and I made lists of foods that I was comfortable having and not having. And then you can you start to find, get into kind of groove, you know, what feels safe for you.